Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls, Alliance Defending Freedom, protecting your God-given right to live and speak the truth, and Wilson Financial Advisors, over 50 years of financial expertise and success. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on their banners to visit their websites. And now here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Back with another week of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. And we got the full team, John and Neil and Roger, myself, Bob. Guys, how are you? Doing great, Bob. How are you? Oh, doing just great. Thanks. We're going to talk about uh, a few different things in this podcast, folks. We're going to talk, uh, we'll get from Roger the latest of what's happening out in California, of course, with the flooding. We'll talk a little bit about the first GOP primary debate, which is happening Wednesday evening. We're broadcasting this on Wednesday morning. So for us, we haven't seen the debate yet. So we'll talk a little bit about that, analyze that. Is Trump being smart or dumb for not being at the debate? Then we're going to move into a larger discussion of what the focus for the Republican Party ought to be. In a general sense, should the Republican Party focus on social issues like abortion, transgenderism, religious liberties, parental rights, culture war issues, etc.? Or should they leave those alone? And just go for secular issues like the economy and energy independence and border security and crime and trade and foreign policy and such. So what's the right strategy for the GOP? We're going to talk about that as well. And, and of course, when you listen to this podcast, you know this podcast is sponsored. And it's thanks to our sponsors that we're able to do this podcast. And we ask you to support our sponsors. One of them is absolutely a social issues necessity. We're talking about preborn. Preborn, as you know, partners with pro-life centers all across the country to show ultrasound images of unborn babies to expectant moms. They do this in pro-life centers. And you know something? Those moms choose life almost all the time when they see a picture of their baby. They usually end up accepting the Lord, too. So here's what we're asking everybody in the audience to do right now. If you have not yet given to Preborn to pay for these ultrasound images, would you do that right now? $28 is the average cost to save one baby's life, to stop one abortion through ultrasound images. How many babies' lives will you save right now? It's this simple. Take $28 times fill in the blank, whatever number God lays on your heart, and we're asking you to give that right now in a one-time gift to Preborn. And you can go online to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn, and give right there. CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn, and 100% of what you give goes to fund ultrasounds. If you want to talk to a real-life person over the phone, they answer 24-7. So call right now, 833 850 Baby, 833-850-BABY. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call. We appreciate you folks giving. As we dive into this podcast here on NCR, so Roger, let me throw it to you first. Before we get into all of this other stuff, uh, of course, we know the the uh, disaster happening out in Maui, of course, and the fires that are spreading out there, and of course, Joe Biden, my goodness, what a, I mean, really, he gets up there and his way of comforting people is to once again tell the lie about his small kitchen fire that he says, my house almost burnt down, almost lost my wife. And I know what it's like to lose a house. And it's like, oh, my goodness. And the Corvette, don't forget that. uh, You know, and and my Corvette and my, you know, I almost, you know, those of you that had somebody die, those of you that have charred remains of loved ones you haven't been able to identify yet, I know what you're going through because you know what? I almost lost my car. Mm. In 
in a fire that he didn't almost lose his car. I know. He didn't even almost lose his car because it was contained to the kitchen. That's from the Associated Press itself. It's like, wow. And this is after his, well, no comment thing. Oh, boy. All right. But there's another issue going on, of course, in Southern California, the flooding that's that's happening there. Gavin Newsom has declared a, an emergency. And so I don't know, Roger, this is your backyard. Is this being overblown? Is it as serious as we're hearing? What's, what's happening out there? Well, understanding, of course, that you guys are all in states that get rain all throughout the year. So anytime right. there's rain in California in July or August, it's Armageddon. I mean, it doesn't matter how <laughs> yeah. much it- it's the end of the world as we know it. Now, there were some heavy rains. There were some torrential rains. I mean, that thing came up Saturday night through San Diego. There was some flooding. And even if this had been rainy season, there was a lot of heavy rain and a lot of uh, strong winds. But a lot of the areas where the rain fell is where when it falls, you're going to see flooding anyway. I mean, the desert regions, the mountain regions, a lot of the places that were evacuated, like in East San Diego County and and some of the Riverside County mountains and things of that, those areas, whenever it has a regular rainfall and regular rainy season, they're evacuating people because there's really no nothing. There's nowhere for them to go if they get stuck for several days without power or if they're, you know, boulders and things like that. In terms of the widespread panic that happened there, I mean, there were keywords. Obviously, any governor is going to declare a state of emergency preemptively if they're smart, unless they're Ray Nagin when he was the mayor of New Orleans, you know, not doing right. anything and letting George W. Bush do his thing because that's that triggers National Guard, federal response, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of the actual disasters themselves, L.A. County has the largest area of population. There was not one death. You know, I mean, when you get mm. right down to it, if you look at the death toll and the destruction, yeah, there were some places like if you look out in Palm Springs area, for example, where there are um, Idlewild and some of the mountain ranges there, there are runoff wash areas where when they do have torrential rains that do happen, those things all fill up. The roads are kind of blocked up for a little bit, and then the water all subsides and goes away. By Monday morning, you should have seen the pictures of, hey, look at the clear blue sky and look at the nice light breeze. And it just, it really had kind of died down. I think there was a lot of hype. Of course, if it bleeds, it leads. And some of the statements that were taken out of, you know, out of context, I think, were, we've never seen anything like this. Well, of course you haven't. It's August. (laughs) All right. It's August in California, right? Right. Yes, there were some people who were inconvenienced. But, I mean, in a state of 40 million people, there were like 20,000 people without power. I mean, we've had fire situations that have been much worse. But the pundits will always jump on, oh, my gosh, they had fires there last year. I'll bet there's going to be mudslides. Let's go ahead and get in front of that story. So for the people who are listening who were, in fact, inconvenienced, of course, we know that the relief workers are doing what they can. But in terms of this, you know, catastrophic, you know, what was going on here, I've been hearing from people all over the country. Are you guys okay? Are you guys okay? It's like, yeah. You know, as a matter of fact, Lisa just got into the habit of texting back saying, yep, we're dancing in the rain. I mean, that's just it, it. It was way overblown by the media. But you know what? They needed a story for the weekend. And California falling off into the ocean seemed like as good of one as any. Right. Well, and let's face it, when whenever California experiences something that they don't normally experience, not just California, but other places as well. I mean, let's face it, if you guys get a dusting of snow, oh. it's gridlock. It's gridlock. You know, <laughs> it, it takes you four hours to get home. Typically, Bob, a quarter inch of rain will stop traffic for hours. I mean, it's just, no one knows how to drive in the rain. But, you know, it, it's kind of symbolic or symptomatic, I should say, of what happens to leftist ideology. Anything that doesn't line up with their nirvana. California is always sunny. California always has mild temperatures, maybe a little bit hot or whatever. What's this? Two inches of rain? Oh, my gosh, what's going on here? You know, and, and you can hear leftist minds exploding all up and down the coast because it, it, this is not something that they have prepared for. And how dare you introduce something that doesn't 
doesn't line up with our ideologies in the land of the welcoming and inclusive and tolerant. Give of course. Give I know. All right. Well, thank you, Roger, for putting that all into perspective for us, uh, no doubt. So let's talk about, before we dive into the direction the Republican Party needs to take, uh, tonight, of course, is the first GOP primary debate. As I say, we're broadcasting this podcast on Wednesday morning, so we don't know what's going to happen in the debate. Tonight, there are eight candidates that have made the stage. Asa Hutchinson ended up making it. Bill Hurd, who's this guy? Okay, ended up making it. By the way, Larry Elder is suing the RNC. He's bringing a lawsuit against them because Larry Elder, the uh, conservative talk show host and African-American, he qualified for everything that the RNC required, 40,000 unique donors. He got his 40,000 unique donors, at least 1% in the polling. On three polls, national polls, he got 1%. He signed the pledge. But here's the thing. The RNC invalidated him because they said one of those three polls is Rasmussen. And we're going to invalidate Rasmussen because we say Rasmussen is too aligned with Donald Trump. It's like, wait a minute here. Just because Scott Rasmussen tends to be a Trump supporter and a conservative guy, Rasmussen's one of the most accurate polling services that there are nationally. They've got a reputation for getting closer in presidential elections than any of the other polls. But now that one doesn't count, and I'm kind of wondering what the the thinking is behind the RNC. Do they see Larry Elder as, we don't want him there because we don't want him to take anything away from Tim Scott, who might be more of the establishment black Republican conservative? I don't know what's at play there, and of course Trump is deciding not to be this. Before we talk about the Trump factor, let's go around the table. I'm just kind of curious, everybody else on the stage, and the Larry Elder thing, any theories, guys? John, do you have any theories on why the RNC, it seems like they're using dishonest tactics and a technicality to try to invalidate him by saying Rasmussen doesn't qualify as a national, uh, an acceptable national poll as an excuse to keep him off the debate stage. Why do you think that is? Yeah, it makes no sense when you have other people up there that aren't as popular as he is. So uh, right. honestly, Bob, I, I have no answers on that one. Makes no That one makes no sense to me whatsoever. None. Is it a perception maybe that's, that Tim Scott – you know, we can only have one black conservative up there and Tim Scott's – uh, Boy, you, I know. It's, I would hope not. I, I, I kind of wonder if they see Tim Scott as the possible more establishment conservative black Republican out there and Larry Elder is more of the conspiracy theory right-wing bomb thrower kind of guy. And, and so maybe that's a perception that they have. I, I just, you know, I don't know. Larry Elder is willing to take on the RNC and Tim Scott's yeah. willing to color within the lines a little bit more. That's probably part so of it's, it. I, I think they're probably, I don't know. You guys got any, Neil, you got any theories on that? I got nothing, Bob. I got nothing for you. I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> Roger, well, between the mine. four of us, one of us has to have an, a, a theory. I just, I don't know. It, does, it doesn't seem fair. I'm like, wow, RNC, really? Are you doing that this early? The RNC doesn't always have a history of uh, you know, playing smart when it comes to situations like this. We saw this happen here in, here in the People's Republic of California in 2014 when Jerry Brown was running for governor. And there was a California assemblyman, Tim Donnelly, very much like a Larry Elder type. This is a small business owner. He was from the uh, San Bernardino County area. He had gone with militia groups to fight, you know, border uh, openings and closings and things like that. And he really had a head of steam. He really didn't have a 
big shot of winning against Jerry Brown, but the RNC establishment like Neil Kashkari, who is currently now, I think, serving as the head of the Federal Reserve in Minnesota or something like that. They decided he was their candidate. They basically ran Tim off the road. Kashkari got smoked, something like 80 to 20 or something like that. But they didn't care because they were going to take a loss and they figured this would do less damage. And something tells me that when it comes to Larry Elder versus Tim Scott, they're saying, well, look, the guy's been a member of Congress and he's been a member of the Senate and he comes from a Southern state. He's checking off all the boxes here. And Larry Elder's a talk show host and he was a libertarian and, and he ran for governor of California. We, we can't control Larry. So, well, maybe that's what the RNC needs is a voice yeah. like that. I, but I think you're right, Bob. I, they're, they're, they're playing that card and also the other card too. Um, you know, I, 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 I'll bite my tongue as to what I would really say about the situation of having two African-American conservatives, you know, going on the same stage, possibly even debating against each other. That may be a little bit much for the RNC to handle here. In well, that's an excuscable. Here, here, here in 1823. I mean, 2023. <laughs> right. me. I mean, where I are know. we? A- absolutely inexcusable. So before we get to the Trump factor, though, what about everybody else on the stage uh, center stage is going to be shared by DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy. They they're the two of them are polling the best. And then you kind of work your way around the outside. Uh, any best guess or predictions of what, I mean, let's start with Ron DeSantis, I suppose. What does he need to do? We know his, his uh, suggestions from the pack that's helping him was kind of leaked. Okay. Show emotion, go after Ramaswamy, defend Donald Trump, which, by the way, I don't think that's horrible advice for for Ron DeSantis. I think we talked about this before, John, that that DeSantis, if he's going to get his numbers up, he's going to have to peel him away from Trump. Well, the way you peel him away from Trump is you take some of the Trump supporters who aren't glued to Trump. They're just Velcroed to Trump. And, And you can remove some of the Velcroed people. But the only way you're going to do that is saying, Hey, Trump did a great job as president. There's a lot of things that he did right, but there's baggage that comes with him. With me, I commit to you. I'll do all of the good stuff that Donald Trump did, but you won't have the negative baggage and warts with me. Mm-hmm. I think if he did that and he strongly defended Trump against these charges and said these are bogus sham charges, this is not America, this isn't right, uh, that doesn't mean that I – think Trump will be a better president than me. I think I'll be better because I'll have all the good and none of the bad. I think if he did that, he could peel away some of the Trump voters. You mean become Vivek? In essence, yes. <laughs> In essence, yes. Yes, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with you. His his campaign, I, I hate to say this, but if he doesn't make an about face with his campaign, I mean, right. in the next month or less, he's done. Yeah, because yeah. donors will completely drive. Yep. They're already holding done. their money they're back. They're already doing that. Right. That's right. right. They're already doing that. He, he, if he doesn't make an about face, he's done, which I How honestly did he do didn't this? think was going to happen. How did he blow this? That's what I'm trying to figure out. How in the world did he yeah, – okay, my personal opinion, I think it's because he was too wishy-washy with Donald Trump and not willing to give credit where credit was due to Trump. And I think he tried to take on Trump in a way that was just stupid. Add to that not not capitalizing on his record of success that he had in Florida. I just think he was a mismatched mis- mismatched message all over the board and didn't have a Bad clear brand and focus. campaign strategy yep. and management, period. Yep. yep. What exactly. about likability? That's become an issue. And supposedly, didn't he have a post-it note on his notes or something for the debate that said, be likable? Like, uh, did you hear that report? I don't he's, know where you know, I've, I've heard that. that he's not you know, in public – He's not the most 
likable individual that he's a little bit awkward in you know in you know private public type settings and I don't know this I don't know the man I've never met him I'm just telling you guys what I've kind of read and heard kind of behind the scenes he's just kind of an awkward individual so yeah Neil that would make total sense and you know what he can fix that though this is what drives Uh, me nuts about this because his handlers should be saying to him let's address it Head on. I mean, he should be going out there and saying, look, guys, I, I told him I don't have the dynamic personality. I don't have, you know, right. the, the, the Hollywood kind of sl- smooth tongue. That's not who I am. OK, I'm a businessman who knows how to run a state and I know how to run a country. And so but I'm not going to give you the negative baggage of Donald Trump, but I'm not going to give you the slick silver tongue of Barack Obama either. I'm just going to be honest with you. I think if he did something like that and addressed it, people would understand and that would help him. Well, yeah, doesn't he have congressional experience as well? I mean, that's something that people liked Trump being the outsider. But DeSantis has that kind of outsider feel. But he also knows how Congress works. I mean, he also knows what it's like to have to be in committee and that that type of thing. I mean, this is a guy. Can we just take a look at what he is throwing away here? I mean, this is the guy who stood up to Disney. This is the mm-hmm. don't say gay guy. This is the guy whose wife survived breast cancer. And all we can hear about now is he's a rhino and and and, and he doesn't know how to deal with Trump. God, dude, take a page out of Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio playbook. Those guys went head first right into That's the right. mouth of Trump and they got chewed up and spit out going after Trump and saying, well, your supporters are blah, blah. I mean, he may as well have called them deplorables for crying out loud. Bob, I think your point is, is excellent in terms of saying, look, you have to stand up for Donald Trump, even if you can't stand the guy because he has such a strong voting base. The key is they see you as potentially a vice presidential pick with their guy. And when they start to falter, as I like the, the Velcro or kind of old bad tape that's lost its stick. You know, that's not going to keep the mm-hmm. Trump supporters right. around after 2016 and 2020. Uh, when, when they start seeing you as kind of this is Trump, but a little bit better, a little bit younger, a little bit leaner, a little bit meaner. And then all of a sudden they, they get comfortable with the idea that maybe Donald Trump doesn't have to be the guy. But, right. so, but I, I mean, short of hiring Kellyanne Conway, I don't know how he gets this thing back. Is yeah. he is he committing suicide for the Republican Party if he raises the question that Donald Trump isn't electable? In other words, he's the front runner, but he can't win an election. And try to play that card given the idea that i don't that, think so for, uh, b- b- yeah how same, do you present that how do you well, present that? in the same way bob talked about him presenting himself saying hey i'm i'm basically donald trump without without the baggage and i'm electable uh, and i can win over some of those people in the mushy middle the 14 to 16 percent of people that are undecided and could potentially be swayed either way i think there's a lot of people that are really upset about where the United States has gone in the last four years or however many years. I mean, it's it's been ridiculous what we're seeing in education and the assault on parental rights and the whole transgender agenda, all that stuff. And I think that he could – He's this is the guy who did stand up to Dizzy. Like, play that card and just say, uh, bottom line is, you know, Donald Trump's popular, but he's not electable. I don't know. Now, I, it, you know what, though? I don't think he, it's a bad he, idea. He, he tosses up a T-ball – for Donald Trump then to say, oh, really, I'm not electable. Let's look at the polls. Because there are no polls that has DeSantis beating Biden yeah, head-to-head. But the, head. same, the same polls told us all about the red wave that was going to happen in the midterms, right? I, mean, right, I know, and, but I'm just... And that Hillary would soundly defeat Donald Trump. The, the polls are wrong. They, hey, they drafted... Tom Brady in the sixth round, crying out loud. You know, think about that. <laughs> okay, I, I, look, all I'm saying is that, that Trump gets to say, here's the real clear politics average. I'm even or above 
Joe Biden. DeSantis is behind Joe Biden in every single one of them, and he says, "I'm not electable." What a joke! Yeah, I, so, yeah, I don't. I don't think that's a good play on on DeSantis's part. You need to defend Trump. You need to be somewhat of an ally with him, if you would. But just again, mm-hmm. do what Vivek's doing. Listen, I like the guy. I like everything he did. I loved what the things he did as a president. We've got Supreme Court justices because of what he did. You know, on and on you go. You you run down that path, and then just say, on the same token, I can be the kindler, gentle, gentler Trump that you all want. Right, and I will. But here's the thing: he's got to. Uh, Ron DeSantis has got to convince people like me, which I know represent tens of millions of people that would be like, I I could get behind DeSantis if I was really 100% convinced that he really will be the disruptor and fighter uh, that Donald Trump is and that there's zero chance that he's going to slide to the middle and basically become George H.W. Bush. I'm just not 100% convinced of that. And, And it might be unfair for me not to assume that he won't do that. But I just, I don't yeah, know. And, and that's, that's, he hasn't alleviated that suspicion. I don't right. think that's the right. biggest issue, period. He just, I'm sorry, guys, he's done. Until he changes some things internally in his campaign, which he's tried to do and it hasn't gotten any better, I'm sorry, he's done. All right. Go ahead, how do you, how do you, I was just going to say, we, we came, saw Ron DeSantis come to prominence about a year and a half ago when it seemed like he was on a win streak and every month he was doing something else that stood up to the cult, cult, cultural elites, that stood up to the leftist mentality that was trying to overtake, uh, you know, the, the, family, you know, the home of the mm. fabric of our nation. And then all of a sudden now it seems like he spent the last year running for president and he hasn't done a very good job of it. And people just need to be reminded first and foremost, if they want to try to at least get this thing back on track, I'm not saying that you can say, okay, I'm, I'm the electable candidate. Just remind people what you did and what you're doing leading right. a state like Florida that is, that is destroying New York, that is, you know, sucking people away from California. That, I mean, the, the, he has the, we haven't even talked about COVID and the way they handled that. I mean, right. both he and Greg Abbott get A pluses for the way they handled it, even though the numbers and the outcomes were almost essentially the same, but the freedoms and the liberties that people cherish. Yeah. This which, is where the, which was really quick, by the way, Roger. He could use tonight, given some of the rumors, which I don't know if we're going to talk about today or not, but some of the rumors about potential lockdowns coming later in the year, Octoberish or so. Roger, right, he could dovetail right, right into that easily, and play that easily. play that hand tonight very easily. And and frankly, I will be shocked if he does. Yeah, yeah. And, and which is really which is really a shame because he would be smart to I, I think to do that and to bring that up again as well. He so. would be if he, if he would say, "Listen, guys, there's the rumor mill is this is potentially coming." And by the way, if you want to move to Florida now, go ahead because we're not going to do any of that. We didn't do it right. the last time around. We're <laughs> well, not. We won't. Do it and we time. won't do it this time. You know, you're, you're absolutely right. He would score points there. Now, uh, coming up, by the way, in the second half, we are going to dive into uh, you know, more of this and specifically. What should the uh, agenda and the brand and the marketing be of the Republican Party going forward into 2024? Do they get into social issues or not? How much of an issue do they make of that? We're going to have that debate, too. As we do, remember, you hear us talking about the sponsors of this podcast. And by the way, can I just say, Neil, let me, uh, let me, Neil, read to you a little bit from a UPI story. It's something that we've been dealing with here in the state of Michigan. Uh, there's this, there, there's this East Lansing, Michigan farmers market that denied this, uh, country mill farms that's run by this Catholic guy, Steve Tens, denied him the ability to sell in the local farmers market. 
Why? Because Steve Tent says we don't want to host gay weddings at our, you know, at our orchard, our apple orchard. Well, you know something? You had a federal UPI. Federal court has ruled in favor of the owner of a Charlotte, Michigan apple orchard that was barred from the East Lansing Farmer's Market for refusing to host same-sex weddings. Uh, Alliance Defending Freedom fought this case and won celebrating the decision. It's yet a victory after victory after victory from Alliance Defending Freedom on behalf of Christians around this country, Neil. Yeah, and thank God we've got them as one of our sponsors. We get to partner with them, and we get to talk about the important issues that they're working to defend on our behalf all the time, like freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and et cetera. And so, you know, this is a group of more than 4,000 lawyers working together to preserve and protect basic freedoms, uh, like the ones I just described. They, we've talked about the fact that they won the 303 creative case, their 15th U.S. Supreme Court victory in just over a decade. And all of that made possible, honestly, by the faithful giving of all of you who listen to National Crawford Roundtable. $19 a month is what we're asking, and it makes a huge difference. So to give, just go to ADF, go to the ADF button at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. So 303 Creative, I mean, it was incredibly important win for freedom of speech, the, the win that you just described, Bob, and they're, they're all over the place. And ADF's doing an incredible job. Another case that's now before the Supreme Court involves Brian Tingley, He's a licensed marriage and family counselor in the state of Washington where a law was passed back in 2018, I think, that would censor conversations between clients and counselors. This is a law that would dictate what can or cannot be talked about in private counseling sessions. So somebody like Brian could violate the law simply by discussing things like, like gender or sexual orientation or sexual behaviors. And a violation of that law means that a counselor like Brian could be hit with fines of up to $5,000 per violation, maybe a suspension and even the permanent revocation of their license. What? True freedom means people like Brian can help people work through their issues. And talking with clients about problems is not a crime. Your gift Mm of $19 a month is what we're asking. Just 63 cents a day will help preserve freedom of speech for all of us. Uh, Join the fight today. Give today. Just click on the ADF button at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Giving is made easier when you've got something to give. So thank God for our other partner, Wilson Financial. Yeah, absolutely. It was regardless of what happens in the debates and, of course, the presidential election, whoever wins uh, the presidency in 2024 is going to be setting some policy, signing some bills. We've got some tax bills that the Trump administration signed that are going to come up and expire in 2026. How is that going to impact your retirement? How is that going to impact your investing right now? You need to call Wilson Financial, 800-696-9970, or click on the banner for Wilson Financial Advisors at CrawfordMediaGroup.net, because Dennis Wilson has been doing this for more than 50 years. He he knows... He knows what the alternatives are to what the mainstream large uh, brokerage houses, whatever, are offering and finds you the same type of investments that are better, that are more God-honoring, that minimize, if not eliminate, risk and give you maximum return. So I encourage you to click on the Wilson Financial Advisors banner today so you can support uh, groups like Alliance Defending Freedom, Preborn, all the people who are sponsoring our podcast here at National Crawford. That's right. Absolutely. We appreciate you folks supporting them. And yes, you can give to Preborn. Remember, if you didn't give already, you can do it now. Go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn. You can give right there. 100% of what you give goes to fund ultrasounds, not a penny for overhead. And remember, when you pay for those ultrasound images, you're saving babies' lives because those moms choose life when they see a picture of their baby. So CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn. 
or just give them a call right now, 833-850-BABY. They answer the phones 24-7, 833-850-BABY. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call. Give any amount you can. $28 stops one abortion. How many abortions will you stop? Take $28 times fill in the blank, whatever that number is. We appreciate you folks doing that. The second half of the podcast is coming up. Don't forget, you can uh, watch us on MyHopeNow.com. And, of course, follow MyHopeNow wherever you go to social media. And you can check out podcast episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts as well. And the second half of the NCR podcast coming up next. This has been a Crawford Media Group production. Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with all of the guys, Roger Marsh of The Bottom Line from the People's Republic of California, John Rush, Rush Reason out of Denver, Colorado, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York, myself, Bob Duco, The Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. And as we as we talk through this podcast, we're we're recording this podcast on Wednesday morning. Well, tonight is when the first GOP debate is going to happen. What is the direction the Republican Party needs to go going into 2024? That's what we're going to be analyzing in the second half of this podcast, whether the GOP should focus on social issues and culture war issues or should they let that go and just focus on secular issues, economic, foreign policy and such. So we're going to dive into all of that as we do. I just want to remind everybody that you hear us talking about preborn all the time, and a lot of you have given to preborn already, and we very much appreciate that. If you have not yet, though, will you join in? Will you give something right now to preborn? Remember, preborn is the main pro life group that shows ultrasound images of unborn babies to expectant moms in pro life centers all across the country. And when that mom sees a picture of her baby for the very first time, she doesn't go across the street to Planned Parenthood. She lets that baby live almost all the time. Usually ends up accepting the Lord, too. So it takes money to pay for these ultrasound images. $28 is the average cost to stop one abortion, to save one baby's life. So we're asking you to pray about this. Take $28 times fill in the blank. Whatever that number is that God lays on your heart, that'll be your forever legacy of how many abortions you and your family stopped. So here's how you give, two different ways, online or by phone. Online, just go right now to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn, you can give right there. CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn. Or over the phone, call 833-850-BABY, and they answer the phones 24-7. So 833-850-BABY, just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call, and 100% of what you give goes to fund ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. So we appreciate you folks doing that. So the GOP debate is tonight. We don't know what the general direction of the Republican Party is going to be going forward. But, guys, let's have a conversation about uh, a report. Actually, you all of us were, were writing reports uh, regarding this. There was a, a piece that was written by Josiah Lippincott who said if the Republican Party is going to survive and win elections going forward, they need to knock it off with the culture wars and the Bud Light stuff and the transgenders and the drag queens and abortion and, you know, Roe v. Wade got overturned and look at how that hurt the Republicans in the midterms. And so the best thing to do is to set all of that aside and let's just go after the economy and energy independence and border security and crime and trade and foreign policy and such. I can understand where some people say that, but I'm going to be honest with you guys. 
I don't think that that's the right thing to do, and I don't think that that's a strategically smart thing to do either. And here's why I say that. Yes, there are independent swing voters who don't really want to talk about the social issues and culture wars. I get that. But this is also about voter turnout. And you got a lot of born-again evangelical Christians that if the Republican Party message ends up just becoming secular and setting these issues, they're going to look at the Republican Party and say, well, all right, I'm not as energized to follow them now because they're going all secular. And I think there's a lot more to lose there. Not to mention the fact we're the body of Christ. And I think it's important that Christian and biblical principles continue to be part of the DNA of the Republican Party. And I don't agree with these people that are saying let's purge that that aspect uh, and that ingredient of the Republican Party and just make them secular. I think that's strategically a mistake. And I also think as Christians, that's a horrible thing to happen because then we end up with two secular parties and one of them's a lesser of two evils. So that's my take on that. But I, I don't know. I know there's differing opinions about this. And what do you guys think as we can? And Neil, maybe we could start with you. What are your thoughts about those who say the Republican Party is not going to win future elections if we continue to make as part of our argument the social issues and culture war issues? Well, I don't know if that's correct or not. Possibly it is, but I think it's I think it's bad thinking for this reason. I mean, the Democratic Party is all about Every one of the things you just listed, you know, the transgender agenda, um, abortion up to nine months of pregnancy, paying for people's abortions, abortion tourism, um, uh, you know, no concern really for religious liberty or parental rights. All these culture war kind of issues are the distinguishing factor between hardcore Republicans and hardcore Democrat progressives. So, like, if you throw that out, then all of a sudden you've taken away the very distinctive that marked you in the first place. And I think you're 100% right because ultra conservatives and or, you know, Bible believing Christians, people that are old fashioned in their thinking or, or center their ideas around biblical values, they're going to be completely turned off to that kind of a thing. And I wouldn't be surprised if people just bail out at that point, get out of the political process and say, I want no part of it. So I think it's a horrible strategy. Um, on the other hand, uh, if if you were looking at it like this Mr. Lippenscott you're describing, and I read that article as well, but if you're looking about, you know, just strategy for a potential win, I guess he could make an argument that this represents some kind of a strategy. But I think it's very similar to saying, hey, you know what, um, defense and running the football makes sense, so we're not going to pass during the, you know, Super Bowl because we think that's going to be an effective strategy. I think it's wrong, and it the Republican Party is supposed to be the big tent where everybody's welcome, and I think cultural issues are a big part of what Republicans have stood for. I think they need to keep doing it. Right. Hey, Roger, you know, you're a pastor just like Neil is. And of the two major parties, I appreciate the fact that at least one of those two parties says born-again evangelical Christians and pro-lifers, this is woven into the fabric of our party. Mm-hmm. And I, I, to me, it's like if, if we as believers aren't going to speak out on these issues and there's nobody left to speak out on them and suddenly that gets removed from politics – I just I think it would be a wrong thing to do to just go secular for the GOP. I think it would be wrong, but I also think it would be strategically unwise because I, I don't I don't think they're going to be able to make up the de-energized evangelical vote that voter turnout ends up going down for Christians. Yeah, it's interesting because when you think about the voter turnout, 
It can be very passionate among Christians. Obviously, we saw that support for Donald Trump in 16. It waned a little bit with the more educated uh, type of the intelligentsia of the Christian community that uh, kind of went, no, I, I voted for Trump once and I feel kind of dirty about it now because he, he's just so uncouth. And, and that's, there is a segment and it's a growing segment out there, that kind of Christian intelligentsia crowd. And then there are the Christians who just sit on their hands and say, well, I'm eligible to vote. I'm registered to vote. I don't do it. it it's very basic that if 25 million people who profess faith faith in Christ and aren't voting because either they're not registered to or they're registered and they just didn't get out to the polls, you could solve a lot of problems just by literally starting at square one, which is get Christians to the polls. Mm -hmm. But I think beyond that, I mean, one thing that we saw here in the People's Republic that I think would be important for uh, any major party to pick up on, but let's face it, most people, uh, it's very generous to say they're a mile wide and an inch deep when it comes to knowledge of certain facts. I, right. I, I think that inch is very generous. Hmm. In the People's Republic of California, what happened is the minute Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey were overturned, they sounded the alarms and said, your democracy is at risk. We have to vote Democrat, vote blue, because democracy is at risk. Exhibit A, they took away a woman's right to access health care. Okay, now you, we all know that's not true. Women did not lose their access to health care. What happened was the issue of abortion obviously became a state's issue and half states make it illegal and half states make it legal. But the marketing was so easy because I could explain that to you in 20 seconds or less. It's just like a good radio uh, giveaway promotion, right? If you can't explain it in 20 seconds or less, it's not going to work. It's too complicated. It has to be be caller number 25 and you win the car. You know what? It's, mm. it's got to be that basic. Republicans are all over the map with, uh, well, what about Tim Scott? Well, what about Ron DeSantis? Well, what about Donald Trump? Okay, one message, first and foremost. Right. And it's basically the same one Democrats have. Your democracy is at risk. But then when you look at the different exhibits that we have, the different examples, because they, they'll, oh, well, abortion. Oh, well, Donald Trump in the courts. Oh, well, women's and transgender rights are at risk and your protections and all that stuff. They've got all of those points lined up on the left. The, the, the Republican argument is actually exponentially better, but does anybody know it? I mean, it's like we take all the ingredients, dump it on the table and say, you know, there's a meal in there somewhere. Right. I mean, come on. You're right. I mean, we've got to present this in ways that people can actually eat it and not make the meal up and then bunch it all up into pieces yeah. and then dump that on the ground and say, see, there's a meal in there. There's you a know what, Roger? We, we've talked about that so many times. And you're absolutely right. And I know this is something that makes John's eye twitch a lot, the lousy marketing of the of the Republican Party. The GOP just flat out stinks at marketing. They stink at selling. They stink at staying on message. They stink at coming up with a simple cohesive brand that everybody can understand and identify. I mean, look, one of the basic, you mentioned radio, okay? This is one of the things in radio, especially when dealing with with uh, advertisers or potential advertisers. And I've said this to people before, okay, to salespeople. It's like, you need to be able to sit down and define my show in 20 seconds, 10 seconds even, okay? Mm -hmm. Make it very clear what my show is in 10, 15 seconds. Can you do that? Uh, you know, not be all over the map. The Republican Party needs to do that too. And, and they just, they don't have those same basic half a dozen to a dozen talking points that they stay on target with. But John, what about the social issues and culture wars and things like, what do you say to those who say, we're just shooting ourselves in the foot by being too divisive on the 
cultural issues of transgenderism and abortion and religious liberties and parental rights and the Bud Light debate and let all that stuff go and let's just talk about the secular issues. And you, can, you, you have to intertwine all of it because it all is a part of our daily lives and affects each and every person in the country. Now, to some extent, all of us are affected by those things. So you've got to intertwine that and it goes back to what you said a moment ago, Bob. It's how do you message that? And we don't mm-hmm. have a clear, concise message to Roger's point on how we get all of that across. I'm not saying you abandon anything. You just have to couch things correctly to where all sides understand what you're doing and where you're trying to go. And yes, there's going to be that, you know, as far as the the conservative message goes, you're going to have 30% of hardcore Democrats that don't like anything you do. Who cares? Leave them alone. You're not trying to reach them. You're never going to reach them anyways. But but the rest of the country, that other 70% is who you're trying to message to. And that's what you have to do. Right. And, and I just, I and don't, we know. don't, by the way, we don't, we stink at it. I know, I know. And, and I don't know why it would be so difficult to just, to just say, look, we stand for religious liberties, for the unborn, for Christian so see, freedoms even, even and that, values. You don't, say, you, don't, you don't have to even say unborn. What you say is, we value all life. Yeah, we okay, think life fine. matters, and we want to make your life better by doing X, Y, Z. I just said I'm not for abortion because I value life. It's that simple, guys. There's no – this isn't rocket science, and I don't know why we can't figure this out. And you know what? You make it as simple as basic traditional – values, family values, things like that. I mean, there's a lot of swing voters that do resonate with that. But then you can also throw in there and, you know, something, a strong economy and energy independence and securing the border and reducing crime and better trade deals and strong foreign policy while protecting the family and traditional values. What Republicans forget is everybody has a word written on their forehead. What's in it for me? WIFM, we call it for short in my Mm -hmm. world. And everybody has it on their forehead. So tell them, what's in this for me? What am I going to do as your next elected official? This, by the way, applies to every single office across the land. What am I going to do to make your life better if you elect me? All right. So we don't do that. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. So we're all in agreement then that the Republican Party should not divest itself of social issues and culture war issues. No, but it can't be the only thing you talk about either. Right. Agreed. No, I I totally agree. I totally agree. Can I add to you? You keep mentioning the word Republican Party, but tonight what's going to happen is you're going to have eight or seven or however many people are going to end up there because isn't Bergham a question mark now? He got injured in a basketball game or something, so I'm not sure if uh, Doug Burgum's going to be a part of it. But all I'm saying is you're going to have individuals fighting for themselves. It's me, myself, and I tonight. I don't know that you're going to hear a united message from them. I think at Mm -hmm. whatever point a nominee is chosen, from that point on, the Republican Party better be speaking with one voice, a simple message about what's in it for me. Watch tonight because the one person that doesn't talk about themselves very much unless they're specifically asked is Vivek. Vivek talks about I the know. country. What can I do to help the country be number one? What can I do to help you in our country be number one? You're going to hear that message from him loud and clear, and I guarantee Look, you that. I, I like Vivek a lot, but in all fairness, isn't he really truly just running for – either vice president or a cabinet position because it seems like there's a low ceiling of how high he can get. There's just no way that he's going to end up getting the nomination. It seems like there's only so far that he can go. As exciting as he is. Out of the whole stage, he's got a better shot than anyone. 
Yeah, well, I, I I think there's a limit to how how far he can go up. I just really do, and you know he can peel away. He has the ability it. to peel away Trump supporters, but I don't think it can peel away enough. And I think the Hindu factor will slow down some evangelical Christians. So I just think there's limit there's limits to how far he can go. You might be right. I just think I think we're going to see something from Tim Scott in the near future here, whether it's tonight or whatever. I think Tim Scott is going to emerge as a viable option. I don't think anybody really can stand up to Trump based on his popularity currently unless something goes down. And by the way, I don't know. Do you guys think there's a possibility of a fifth indictment out of Arizona? I mean, it's, things turn into a circus. But um, bottom line is uh, I, I think most of the candidates tonight we're not going to see in the next uh, debate. I think half of them are going to be gone by the next debate because Probably. They're, they're not electable. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, okay, guys, here's what I'm going with. I'm going with uh, the the nominations next year. It's going to be Trump and Tim Scott against Gavin Newsom and Gretchen Whitmer. That's my that's my prediction for next year. I hope year. you're wrong because we lose if that's the case. Okay, I'm just telling you that's that's what I, I think wrong. that's what I think we're going to be looking at. All right, what about Trump not being on the debate stage? Is this smart or dumb on his part? Personally, I think it's smart. I don't see what he possibly has to gain. He's averaging 40 plus points above second place right now. He's got uh, nothing to gain and everything to lose by having something go wrong on the debate stage. Plus, he narrows the perception gap between him and the rest of the crowd. At least right now, there's Donald Trump, he's Gilligan, and then everybody else is pretty much the professor and Marianne there and the rest. What he does is he elevates them by by putting himself on the stage with them. And to me, that just would – if I were advising him, I would say stay off the stage and don't do any future debate unless somebody starts really narrowing the gap and creating a danger and then you do it if you have to. That's my take, but I could be looking at it wrong. I agree and I say stay off the stage, but not because of what other people could do to him. I think because of what he would do to himself. I think Donald Trump implodes in those situations. That's actually what I mean by that. If something goes wrong, I don't mean somebody lands lands a blow on him. I I mean he – he gives some. He says something in a way that anyone else could say and get away with it. But since it was Donald Trump, it's going to be twisted into, into you know. He said, "Drink bleach if you had COVID." When he said no such thing, so he he has to he has yeah. to speak with surgical precision. And this guy doesn't know. You know, he he he. Let's face it. He performs surgery with a chainsaw. So this is not a guy who speaks with surgical precision at all. And you have to if you're Donald Trump. He can't. And so he's got. Everything to lose and nothing to gain. Yeah, it's a, or the claymore, whatever that thing is, that they used to use in medieval times. I mean, he comes after people that way. But Donald Trump, the candidate, coming in from the outside, taking all the swings, not having to defend anything he really he says really. I mean, Vivek is kind of in that position right now, and he's just got a better measured argument. Whether you agree with him or not, I just appreciate the fact that he's clear on what he stands for. You know, I mean, you know exactly what you're getting with this guy, and, and a lot of people are saying that's a good thing. Donald Trump, even without the indictments, would be wise to stay away from these debates right now because we saw what happened as the incumbent in 2020 in the debates with Joe Biden. A lot of the stuff he said was actually accurate, but the way he came across was rude and arrogant and brash, and it really didn't do himself any favors. I mean, factually accurate, uh, notwithstanding. So Donald Trump Jr., I think, is going to be there, you know, kind of cheering people on to let the president still be known. You know that uh, mm. one of one of the lieutenants is going to be in the audience saying, "Don't screw this up for me." But uh, at the end of the day, uh, it's it's he only has down to go if he 
shows up on stage. So it's probably a wise decision, I think. Do you think Chris Christie uh, scores any points and does any damage? Because you know he's going to go on a full frontal assault against Donald Trump. Will will anything stick in the minds of voters, or are they just going to dismiss it because it's Chris Christie? Go get a sandwich. Wouldn't you guys love to meet the person who told Chris Christie he still had some skin in the game? He's got a lot of skin in the game. I mean, well, <laughs> oh, no, no way. sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Guys. <laughs> no way. I mean, but, 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 but did, did you, by the way, did you see that, that meme online? That's like uh, Chris Christie. Uh, Chris Christie needs to not run for president. He just needs to run. Oh, <laughs> well, that's terrible. I, I know. I know. Look who's talking. Right? Does he have any political gas in the tank? I mean, no. who is no, Chris no. I mean, uh, after 2012, who was Chris Christie? Why is he even up He's there? a bomb thrower who wants to get revenge against Trump somehow, yeah, some evidently. Way. Mike Huckabee has a better chance than Chris Christie does. And even right. he has a good sense. And by the way, Chris Christie is a, uh, he's like kind of pro-LGBT and he's really, I mean, socially. I know. flake. Sorry. He is. I know. By the way, remember Chris Christie when I can't remember what the name of the hurricane was, but the big favor that he did for Barack Obama mm-hmm. right before the 2012 re-election campaign this hurricane and there's chris christie there walking arm in arm with barack obama propping him up right before the election as well and say like, this guy's a well they it. remember it was sandy and they had to that's right, that's right, that's right. they invented the superstorm category just because they were convinced it was a category five and everything in the eastern seaboard was going to get washed away neil i'm so glad you survived um, you know, the, barely. Happened, yeah. barely. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, but that it, it was not a great look for Chris Christie as a Republican to sit there and basically campaign with Barack Obama. But I think right. a lot of GOP voters haven't forgotten that. And, what about um, the what about the Mike Pence factor, guys? Anybody have any thoughts on Mike Pence and what he does? And is there anything he can guy, do going forward? He goes away. Yeah, I'm I'm the opposite. I like him, but I think it's telling that we've gone 47 minutes into the podcast and haven't mentioned him till now. I so wish you watched. I just can't. I know. You know what though? My problem with Mike Pence, I, I just I can't get past the fact that regarding Donald Trump and this latest Georgia indictment, that he actually went MSNBC talking point in his in his addressing of that to say things like, "Well, you know, no one is above the law." And it's like, oh, come on. Okay. It's, that's not fair. That's not, he needs to be saying, look, Donald Trump did not violate any laws with what he he did in Georgia. He and I may not agree on the constitutionality of what was going on, but he doesn't deserve what's going on. Right. Right. That's what he should be saying. Exactly. He wasn't trying to get me to overturn the Constitution. He was listening to a group of lawyers like John Eastman that interpret the Constitution differently than I do in my group of lawyers. Okay, so we can have a difference of opinion about that. Let's let the courts decide. But my goodness, to try to throw the man in prison, that's obscene. If he he did something like that... Right. If he did something like that, you know something, I, I he would Mike make Pence himself with more the viable. Hardcore Trump supporters has no chance. That's why he needs to go away. He'll he, you get him as the nominee, which isn't going to happen. But you're really in, you're really we're 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 for sure done okay. if that happens. I am not a conspiracy theorist at all. Okay, mm-hmm. but I have to say, I have to say, <laughs> it is kind of interesting that Mike Pence originally had Trump's back and was supporting Donald Trump. Until they also found he had classified documents and then suddenly he turned on Trump. And it kind of makes me wonder, did the Biden DOJ go to Mike Pence and say, 
you better not have his back anymore. Uh, otherwise, we may just come after you with some of these indictments, too. I'm not saying that's Possibly. the case, but I, I just saying I can't rule that out. Anyway, look, uh, there's so much to talk about here. And we just want to remind everybody that uh, when you hear sponsors to this podcast, when you hear us talking about them, we want you to support these sponsors because we can't give up the fight. We can't stop at all. And ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom, what a champion, what a hero they are fighting for uh, Christian and constitutional religious freedoms and liberties. And Neil, I know that this is just tremendous victories that they've been getting on our behalf. Yeah, absolutely. They're doing an incredible job at the Supreme Court level, you know, state level, local level winning victories everywhere. And, you know, I think one of the things people are going to care a lot about in the upcoming election is the return of sanity to America. And I think, you know, maybe some of the progressives won't, but I think people care about sanity. And we've all watched this assault on women's sports over the years uh, where you got biological males competing against women and taking their prizes and their scholarships and everything else. Well, Lions Defending Freedom cares about that stuff, too. And your gifts of $19 a month are making an incredible difference. I'm going to tell you about it in just a second. If you want to give $19 a month, go to the ADF button at CrawfordMediaGroup.net to donate. So 1992, it's when Congress passed Title IX, which, you know, facilitated the establishment of women's sports programs and more scholarships, etc. It was a huge win for female athletes. But now women are losing out again because schools and athletic organizations have lost their minds and are allowing men to identify who identify as women to compete in women's sports. Well, ADF currently represents a number of female athletes across the country who've been forced to compete against biological males. And combined, um, the women have lost dozens of medals, awards, recognitions. Many of them have been denied uh, opportunities for championships in their sport because they were forced to compete against biological males. Well, I think any right-thinking American knows that's not fair and it's not right. And the good news is ADF is fighting to give those women a voice Right. So they can again compete and win without disadvantage. And $19 a month gets it done, just 63 cents a day. That's a really small investment to make to protect women's rights and all of our rights and the freedoms that we love here in the U.S. So go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the ADF button to give today. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, hallelujah. And, of course, Roger, people need to have their own financial houses in order in their own home so that they can support ADF and preborn. Yeah, this is definitely part of, you know, we talk about the tithes and offerings, part of our, our faith in Christ and wanting to be able to, uh, on the 10% that you're giving to your local church, to have the resources to be able to bless ministries like the, the programs that you hear, uh, obviously the sponsors that you hear on NCR, but also on the stations that carry us terrestrial radio wise and those, uh, long form programs. You want to be able to, leave that legacy and continue to give. And Dennis Wilson has a heart for that. He loves Christian radio. I met him because he was a listener of bottom line show in Southern California. And uh, now he's a, a participant with us here at National Crawford Roundtable, and he can help you too, especially as you move into retirement or are preparing for retirement. And you've got that 401k or that Roth IRA, you're not quite sure what to do with it. Maybe you've had a parent pass away and you've got uh, a lump sum coming your way and you're thinking, gosh, I never realized I'd ever have this kind of resourcing uh, to bless people with. God, how would you have me steward that money? Dennis Wilson, Wilson Financial Advisors is the place to go to get that advice. Click on the Wilson Financial Advisor banner when you go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net today and and use that money to further the kingdom. You know, God, that kingdom come, that will be done on earth as mm. it is in heaven, right? 
That's right. Absolutely. So we want you to do this, folks. We want you to support the sponsors to this podcast, ADF, Wilson Financial, uh, certainly Preborn. If you haven't given to Preborn yet, then now's your chance to do it. And by the way, if you have, thank you so much for that. Remember, your forever legacy is that you stopped abortions, you saved babies' lives. And if you haven't joined yet, now's your chance. Okay, We're asking you to pay for ultrasound images so that so that moms will choose life when they see that picture of their baby. And they do almost all the time. And they usually end up accepting the Lord too. It takes money, right? $28 is the average cost to stop one abortion through ultrasound images. And what you do is you give that money to preborn. Preborn uses it to pay for the ultrasound images and those moms choose life. So $28 saves one baby's life. How many babies' lives would you be willing to save today? It's a one-time gift. You take $28 times fill in the blank. Pray about a number, okay? And then that'll be your forever legacy of the number of babies' lives that you and your family saved. So you give two ways, online or on the phone. You can call right now, 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY. They answer the phones 24-7. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call. Or just do it right online. Go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn. CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn. You can give right there. Every penny you give goes to fund ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. We thank you for doing that. We always thank you folks for listening to the National Crawford Roundtable. Of course, you can listen to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you watch, want to watch video of us doing the podcast, you can see that at myhopenow.com and certainly follow My Hope Now uh, wherever you go on to social media. And, of course, Roger Marsh of the bottom line from the People's Republic of California. Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Myself, Bob Duco, the Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. Guys, always great catching up with you. Uh, have a great rest of the week and look forward to next week. You too. Thanks, Bob. You too. Hey, Thanks, we'll see Bob. you guys. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. A view of today's culture through a biblical lens. Brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to save babies now. Alliance Defending Freedom, protecting your God-given right to live and speak the truth. Your generous financial support makes it possible for ADF to defend religious liberty, the sanctity of human life, freedom of speech, and marriage and family in America and around the world. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the ADF logo to give your financial support. Wilson Financial Advisors, over 50 years of financial expertise and success, helping you build confidence in your financial future. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Wilson Financial Services logo to learn more. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. From your local Crawford Media Group station or at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at MyHopeNow.com. Be sure to follow My Hope Now wherever you follow social media. And please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app. Look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This is a Crawford Media Group production.